stacking them deep, selling them cheap. That tastes like gasoline, rubber, and victory. We're just out here stacking pennies. All right, guys, welcome back to Stacking Pennies Vegas Edition. I'm here with my good friends, Mr. Chuck Bush. Hello. Mr. Pitt Road Boats Analyst, Ryan Flores. Hi. And as always, Ice Cold Blue Mountain Takes, Jonathan Merriman. Such good friends. You followed me on Twitter this weekend. Hey. I did. Ugh. I did. I didn't know if it was a spam account or something. I'm surprised we weren't friends. But now we're truly friends because I follow you on Twitter, but congratulations. He's a troll account. He's a troll account. Twitter is a heap of complaints. I don't participate. It is a vitriol place to live. Now, it is so entertaining, though, I will say. What did you uh, did you find anything entertaining on Twitter this weekend, Merriman of the Race? I'm going to rely on you guys a little bit, what you guys thought about the race, because I have not watched it back. And from my point of view, it was not good. So what do you guys think about the race this weekend? I thought the race was interesting. I thought it could have been more interesting if Hendrick Motorsports didn't have all four of their cars do the same pitch strategy when they were running one, two, three, one, two, three, four. I mean, they had fast race cars. I just can't wrap my head around why they did what they did. You know, I think Cliff Daniels, he kind of owned it after the race and and kind of said it was on him. I mean, that, that race was Kyle Larson's to lose. Uh, Chase Elliott bounced back from it. But, man, I just – that was my takeaway from that race was I just cannot figure it out why they would have all four cars try that strategy. Uh, I'm not sure either. Uh, it didn't make sense because, I mean, that, the, the rule of thumb, as soon as you can make it to the end of the stage, especially if you're a leader, you come down. I'm not sure what they were doing if they anticipated more people would have stayed out to try to gain some track position and stage points. But I don't know. But to me, and look, I'm not a crew chief, and you know, obviously, I mean, Flores be able to speak to this just because he's he's there and knows the pit cycles and everything. But once you get about three laps out from everybody else pitting, but you and your teammates, I feel like you could come down pit road and still not lose a lap. I mean, am I wrong? No, you'd be going down a lap anyway. Well, it looked like like the nine. You know, the longer you run and the older your tires get, you know, relative to the guys that had just pitted, right? You're losing more and more time. Like the nine and the 24 pitted, it looked like they split the stage. You know, they were going to have 40 laps on their tires. If it's an 80 lap run, they pitted at 40. The nine car put four on the 24, obviously had a, they had an issue and they only put two on. So that slowed them down a little bit, but the nine was able to get back on the lead lap where the five ran super long and they just didn't have the time on new tires to get back their lap, right? And then they got mired a lap down, had to take the wave. You lose all your track position, then the race goes green. You can't do anything. So I don't know. So the decision that I think Cliff had to make was when he's looking at all the timing scoring and tire fall off and whatnot, he thought that their best play was after he realized they had to pit he probably realized that they were going to lose a lap regardless whether they put new tires on or not because the nine was just barely in front of the 11 at the end of that stage. He decided to go along that way. He had fresher tires to get the wave around to start the third stage. So Cliff Daniels owned it, and they had the car to beat, it seemed like, for the second time of the year at Vegas. They were the car to beat, but they're the one that didn't get the checker. Mr. Denny Hamlin himself has come alive in the playoffs. No regular season win, but now he has two wins in what I believe, what, four races in the playoffs? So they left 
team is looking stout so far. Chuck, what do you got? Starting off each round with a win. I mean, that's if you want to get a win in a round, like get that first race in the round out of the way, and that's your win, and boom, you're moving on to the next round. That's how you put together a championship season, in my opinion. And Denny Hamlin will be in Phoenix racing for the championship. I'm going to make that prediction right here. And I don't know. There's just something about the way he's come to life here in the fall that that championship may have to go through the 11 car. Like it's his to lose almost. I'm not saying that he won't, you know, he's been there before where it's been his to lose and he's lost it. So anything can happen, but could be the 11's year this year. Merriman, you made a face. <sighs> don't see it happening. I just don't see it happening. Look, Kyle Larson is fast everywhere right the mistake that was made on the pit box this weekend i don't know is cliff daniels made a mistake like that so far this year give him one right is that one that and i'm not looking at the trends in the race or anything like that but like are you banking on there being more cautions or a late race caution at vegas like if you're calling that type of strategy you just gambled and, and missed honestly i have no clue at that point they're banking on a caution of the race well when the caution came out there was only five green on your tires right so you're not wanting to use a set even though we only did five pit stops you know you don't want to burn a set but then you're one caution away from being able to make it right so with five green flag laps you know if you get one more caution then you can make it and you're good to go once he made his bed he laid it in like Corey said he ran long so he could be on fresher tires for the second stage and kind of ate it and it just never played in their favor. That's sometimes that's how that Vegas race works out. Yeah. Anyways, back to your original question, Corey. I think the five is a hands down favorite. I think the nine's in a better position than the eleven personally. Uh, and I would say the eleven is it would be my three seed going into Phoenix. I don't yeah, I don't disagree with that. It's interesting how Vegas is playing out. Now everybody can point to the package and like, oh, this the high downforce flow horsepower package makes for bad racing. Now I will say is very temperature specific of how good or bad this particular package races. So when it's 98 degrees at, at Vegas, you wouldn't be able to run nose to tail close to somebody no matter what package we bring there. So that the temperature has a lot to do with it. We went there in the spring and the cars were able to run a lot closer because the track temperature is probably 15, 20 degrees cooler. So that's a big topic that obviously NASCAR has no control over. And that's what gets these races strung out. And that's why we don't see any cautions, except when Joey Gase's left rear hub assembly falls off and he annihilates the fence. It was one of those wrecks. Like, obviously I didn't see it, but when I came around, I saw you see the skid marks and like the impact against the wall. I'm like, oh my God, that looked like it hurt so bad. And come to find out that whole left rear hub and spindle assembly on, on Joey Gase's left rear came off. It wasn't just a tire going down. Yeah, that hit was massive. I mean, that car is airborne. Car got airborne. Like it's riding the wall. Like that was a vicious, vicious hit. Well, if you go back and look at the camera shot that they cut to afterwards, there was no deck lid. The bumper was even with the rear window of that car. I mean, he he hit a ton, and you know, thank goodness he's okay. And, and obviously, the wrecks look worse when the cars get up in the air. But getting up in the air within reason is a good thing because if you hit door bars to left side door bars to the outside fence that would be a bad 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 day now i'm sure joey's super sore but the fact that that thing got up in the air and dissipated some energy was probably a little bit of a gift for him so you hate to see that because that's the scariest angle you can hit and i can assure you people sitting around their couch drinking a cold beard saying oh yeah he'll get out and be just fine that shit hurts dude 
that shit hurts real bad. So I'm glad to see the the safety advancements of the car, especially for wrecks like that, and we're able to walk out. That's about all we had. That was that was about it, right? Nothing really up substantial from Vegas. I mean, I, I'd give a shout out to uh, that eight car. They had a pretty good run after just missing that next round by three points. Reddit goes out there and get what top five, six. Where was he? Where'd he finish? I think he finished six. I think he finished right in front of us because we were coming for it. I asked at the end. Yeah, he was in a, a Pinsky sandwich. Blaney was fifth, Reddick was sixth, and Keslowski seventh. I would venture out there to say that the best car of the night was the 24 car. And, you know, the race just didn't go their way. Obviously, having it looked like something got stuck behind their tire on that pit stop on the right front. They went to two, and then they got a flat there late. Same thing with the 48. Did hear a lot of guys complain about vibrations, maybe thinking it was a loose wheel, but then maybe tires coming apart heard the 48 that's kind of what happened to them too so you pit off sequence there man you're in trouble you are in trouble it makes for a long day we did not pit off sequence nor have anything go wrong and we were on a solid 30th so that that sucked real bad vegas is just a place where if you're off and you're slow that like there's not a whole lot you can do behind the wheel to like find speed you can move around a little bit try to go to the bottom try to go to the top from the fence but we just had a, a slow race car and we just rode around 28th to 30th all night, a little bit frustrating. After our Daytona and Darlington strong runs, we have run fairly crappy ever since. So hopefully we can re- rebound with some juju at Talladega this weekend. That's a wild card for a lot of them. It's a place where you can do it. Yes. You got you got an A motor this weekend? Uh, I don't know. Um, probably not. But, you know, we could get up in the draft and get after it too. What else we got? So Talladega is obviously a wild card, but people who are saying it's going to be crazy, I kind of disagree because really and truly there's only three guys that are going to be desperate looking for a win, making desperate moves throughout the course of the day. I think it's going to be fairly common until that last stage when people start to really start looking at the stage points that were gained throughout the race and making moves at the end. What do you think? I think that you're, the playoffs make Talladega interesting. You've got four guys, really you got six guys, uh, from Logano and Keselowski on back that have to go out and get these stage points because you don't know when the big wreck's going to happen and you can't wait around to the end because you don't know when the big wreck's going to happen. So you got to go out and capitalize on every single point you can, you know, and that's where the landmine is, right? It's uh, We know what's going to happen on the last lap. You can predict that the last lap's going to be insane. You can predict that you're going to have more than likely a big wreck at the end of that race but man you go back to these these races this year when everybody Danny Hamlin at Daytona before the cutoff trying to make the regular season championship we saw the same thing these guys were racing super aggressive so it's going to be it be a little crazy to see if anybody drops back to the back if anybody rides around or if everybody's going to be chasing every single point that they can I can tell you one thing if I'm Kyle Larson I'm going to be a little bit conservative in the race uh, compared to the 48 and the 24. For sure. Well, now he's 57 points up on the cut line, so he can afford to be conservative, not really race for stage points, and have a pretty good shot to advance. But the guys who can't be conservative are the the Fords, being Joey Logano, Kozlowski, and Blaney, the, the Team Penske camp. They're backs up against the wall of the cut line. Joey is only up six, and Brad's only up four. You know, I've always looked at those guys as some of the best speedway racers there are. And if you look at stage points as a total finishing position, like if you win both stages, you can guarantee yourself 18th place points for the entire race. So if you race throughout the course of the day and don't take a conservative, you can guarantee yourself the worst day of finishing 18th if you win the first 
two stages. So I'm sure a guy like Joey and even Blaney, who's won a couple of Talladega, Ford have won the last 10 out of 12, which is an interesting stat. Ryan, what do you think is going to be Team Penske's strategy going in? I think that, you know, the, the only goal to go there with is to just control the whole race, right? Try to win both stages and win the race and don't give up track position. You'll stick with your teammates there. You know, in the last uh, stage, you'll pit with your teammates and try to cycle to the to the lead of that group when you come out. The thing that's interesting to me is probably the two most aggressive guys. You know, Hamlin is the most aggressive guy, and he can be aggressive again at Talladega. And then Joey is always, you know, one of the most aggressive there. And you know that he's going to he, – he's not one that's just going to go somewhere and ride around. The third one that, that struck me that I'll be interesting to see at Daytona was the nine car was, was really throwing some, some big moves there. So I'll be interested to see what they do, what each um, manufacturer does. If the Chevys and the Toyotas kind of go on the same cycle, like they did last time, cause there's not many Toyotas there, but I think the Fords will be strong and uh, hard to deal with. I think it, you, you heard it on the broadcast of the race Sunday night and you know not to knock what the two car did there in the spring by winning the race but you know everybody else talks about Kozlowski being you know a great plate racer and you look at those results at Talladega there are wins in there but it's either win or finishing outside the top 15 and if you're trying to put together you know if you're up against that that line that that uh, go or go home line you know is that going to be enough to get it and if you're a Chris Bell who's what, 36 points back? 25 points back. 25 points back. Sorry. You've got to, what, attack all day pretty much? Just, like, keep going after it because if you get caught up in anything, you're going to get – Well, I'm, I was just sitting here thinking about it and looking at it. I think Bell has a really good chance at the Roval to do a win and you're in uh, scenario. I mean, he, he runs second at the Tunnel Road course. He's turned into one of uh, the better road courses on the skit, uh, in the in the series. So, you know, he he's got a – a decent chance to be contending for the win there at the Roval next week. Granted, he's probably in a win and you're in like a win and advanced situation. He won't be able to point his way in as deep as uh, he is now buried with that performance at Vegas. And I could, I could argue that Kevin Harvick is in a win and you're in like those sewer house cars do not have speed. uh, And he statistically, he's got only one win at Talladega in 2010. Uh, So, you know, called Chase Elliott a nine-year-old man. I didn't listen to that interview. I just saw the caption yeah. of that. Nine Man, they're, I wonder how long they're going to keep feeding that fire. Because then, oh. what do you call it when your when your implied age matches your car number? Anything? Bullying is that what you call it? Yeah, I think it's called bullying. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I think I think that we, you know, if you look at the two cars' performance on road courses this year, I think this is like our shot. Right, you're such like, a homer, jeez. No, but if you look at if you look at that, <laughs> like if you don't have a good weekend this weekend and get a bunch of stage points, either you know get a bunch of stage points or win this race, you're pretty in bad. You're in pretty rough shape next week going to a road course which we struggled at all year. I mean, the two car runs behind me a lot of the times the road courses, and that's saying something. Well, here's here's one here's one thing that Kevin's got going for him at Daytona. He's got three teammates who aren't in the playoffs. They could block like hell and push them. They did the same thing with uh, Almirola a couple years ago. Wait, we going to Daytona? I thought we were going to Talladega. You know the big, the big track, the real big one, one <laughs> big of the real big, the bigger track, the bigger, bigger track, two. big. But wide. the start finish line is further down. Yeah, that's so it. So it's different. It's like the same but different. Teamwork. That's what I'm Make trying to say. Work. Teamwork. Make the dream work. That's yeah. right. Hey, I, well, I know you got to leave here, Merriman, in three minutes. So whip up 
your jackpot races before you roll here so our, our fans can learn how to win $25,000. Had it ready for you. All right, group one. Ooh, look at you. Larson, Hamlin, Logano, Blaney, Elliott, Keselowski. Stacked with guys that are probably going to win this race. Winners coming out of this group. Well, yeah, that's why they're in the first group. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I think it's going to be the 11 because he's got nothing to lose or Joey. I mean, Joey's on a mission. I'm with you. I think it's coming out of the Penske uh, group again. They just seem to have Talladega figured out here recently, and I, I like that 22 too. 22 as well. I like the 22 car. 12 all day. All right, just to be different. Round two. Uh, group two, Truex, Kyle Busch, Kevin Harvick, Kurt Busch, William Byron, Alex Bowman. Martin Truex Jr. never won on a super speedway, by the way. Really? And I don't think it'll happen this time. Nor do I. I wonder why that is. I mean, somebody's been doing it for as long as he has in, in the grade of equipment he has. I mean, he's a little bit of a, a you know conservative guy. He rides in the back with me often, but I don't know if he ever engages. I think he's just like, well, if they just wreck 20 of them, I'll just finish about 12th and be happy The dude's it. three inches away from a Daytona 500 win, though. That's got to hurt. Yeah, it's true. So I like Byron. I mean, I think that he is – his back's up against the wall, and he's going to have to get after it. Yeah, that's what I was going to go with as well. I think 24 car. Hendrick cars are going to have speed too. Chuck's going with Kurt Busch. I was just because I have, like, I feel like in this round, a non-playoff driver is going to get a win, and Talladega is the place where that could happen. And I think Kurt Busch getting that, you know, what could be the final win for Chip Ganassi Racing, I think there's a little bit of drive there. You don't have to make excuses to pick Kurt Busch. You know, that's just what you're going to do. Group three is final one uh, that I'll read. Interesting. Christopher Bell, Tyler Reddick, Austin Dillon, Eric Almirola, Ross Chastain, Michael McDowell. This is a toss-up to me. I mean, Ross Chastain was in the mix of Daytona. He was pretty aggressive with with blocks he was throwing and the moves he was making. So now he has absolutely nothing to lose. He's, his belts are going to be tight. So I like old Mellon Man to see what he can do on Sunday afternoon. I agree. We're helping the people. We are working together and helping <laughs> the people. As always, all you got to do is go to – what is it, Jackpot Races? Jackpot Races uh, in the App Store. Twenty-five grand. Don't uh, – I mean, that'll upgrade your motor package right there. When you download it, you can watch the How to Play Jackpot Races video with Merriman with long hair. It's like Corey LaJoy length hair, but on Jonathan Merriman. It's a glorious thing to behold. But less voluptuous. Oh, his hair's flat. It doesn't have the waves like yours. Yeah, I just got out of the shower, I think. It looks pretty greasy. (laughs) Yes. All right. See you guys. Hey, thanks for your uh, ice cold blue mountain. Thanks again, as always. Come back next week for more. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. All right, you know what time it is. It is time for some pit road boats and woes. We had some woes this weekend at Vegas. 
I'm with my good friend, Mr. Ryan Flores, front changer for Brad Kozlowski. What kind of woes did you see on pit road this weekend? I saw a couple woes from the Hendrick camp for sure. You know, the nine car wasn't, didn't seem as sharp as they had been. The 24 car having some issues. That, that 24 pit stop was really the one that stuck out the most to me. I don't know if you had seen it yet, but, you know, in the second stage when all the Hendrick cars made that decision to um, stay out and kind of pit under green there later in the stage, that point in time, right, any time that you lose on pit road is just time that you lose to the leader. And that is your chance to either be on the lead lap when the cost comes out and get the pit with the lead lap cars and be in front of all the lap down cars or have to take the wave around and lose all your track position. So what happened was it looked like when they put the right front on, there was either something most likely a lug nut sitting behind the wheel in between the wheel and the hub. And they had to pull the right front back off, get the nut out of there and then put it on. And um, Rudy Frugal making the call to, to do two tires might've saved them, you know, from going down two laps. Uh, Obviously, sitting there that long, they got enough fuel in the car, get right side tires on it, left side tire wear later in the race wasn't too bad, so they were able to go back out and, and salvage. They might have had the best car, get a flat um, on the last run, get Meyer to lap down, and now they're outside of the cutoff line. When there is a long green run at the end of the race, is there more or less or the same amount of pressure to execute the money stop? Very situational. Right. That stop there at the end of the race is is important, especially to 12 guys that are still in the playoffs. Right. Because if you miss that one and you know it's going to go green, you, you've given up 10, 15 spots, you know, that, that you're not going to get back. You have to nail that. We see with the four car. I watched what happened with the four car. I watched them drop the jack. Shane stood right up and held up three fingers like I only got three on the left front. So that, that being said, Rodney's out this week. Probably couldn't pick a better week to sit out. I saw that he was, you know, more or less counted as a blessing since it's his kid's birthdays. But yeah, th that's the type of stuff that happens there. Where if he missed one, if he misses two on the left rear and Daniel misses one on the on the, you know, or he misses two on the left front, Daniel misses one on the right rear, they might get disqualified. You know, so that's that's a big time to nail your to nail your pit stop. You have to realize the situation not get ahead of yourself, not rush it, not have a loose wheel, and just get your job done the first time. Speaking of loose wheels and stuff like that, there was comments, man, I believe Dale Jarrett just said that the, the guys from the pickers were out of the bar this week. That's why they were only hitting four. They were getting a little lazy. Does it seem like guys are more apt to save a little bit of time throughout the middle of part of the race to hit four? How common is that up and down pit road? Timeout? Yeah, I did hear that DJ threw a little bit of a, a little bit of shade at the guys for for maybe staying out in Vegas. I think that's always the the one thing people talk about when you have a bad pit stop in Vegas. They're like, "Well, just stay out too late." But you know, I think it's been common practice um, for teams this year to to hit four lug nuts maybe in the middle of the race. You know, it's it's a, you see a lot of people doing it. It's no secret anymore. But the the rule is at the end of the race you have to. Have, We've seen it bite a lot of people. You know, it's a it's a self-policing issue. If you don't get if you if you're hitting four or three lug nuts at times and it comes loose, that's on you. How much time is a just a straight up five nut stop versus a four nut stop difference? I mean, it's twenty percent less work, right? You're hitting twenty percent less lug nuts all the way around the car, so it, it's definitely faster, and it's something that that people do take advantage of the time that is there and. It's a it's a conversation that we're only going to have for, you know, 
seven, you know, six or seven more weeks, and then we're going to be on one lug nut. It's going to be something that's a that's a thing of the past. So NASCAR does a good job of policing it at the end of the race, and it kind of polices itself in the middle of the race. So yeah, there's definitely teams that are better at it, and there's teams that aren't. You can see tracks that you go to where people have to hit five, like a Bristol, where team some teams that are usually really well do really well at say mile and a half where you'd hit four lug nuts that you go to hit five at Bristol they're a little bit slower and teams that excel that are, are a little bit better hitting five but yeah it's definitely a game that is played so my first inkling when I saw that left rear tire fall off of Joey Gase's car that somebody didn't tighten the wheels up or whatever and you saw it fall right off come to find out the entire snout on the rear end housing broke off what would be the culprit for something like that happening yeah, you know, I heard it was a snout, heard it was a hub. The first thing I thought was like, surely they didn't leave the lug nuts, you know, loose on that thing and not know it, right? Because really, the Joey Gase, if where where he's running, where the Rick Ware program's running, if you're if you have any inkling that you have a loose wheel, you're just gonna come back down and tighten it up because you're not gonna give up too much. You're really just there, trying to stay away, trying not to cause a problem. But yeah, you know, teams like that. I mean, you you talked about it last week, right? You're doing what you can to be the racetrack and make a profit. And w- with that comes running used parts and, and parts that, you know, probably have more miles on them than what are on any other car out there. So it, when you go to a place like Vegas that have that has a ton of load, you drive over them bumps in one and it breaks that thing. You plow the fence like that. It's, it's not good. Not good. Yeah, I'm glad, glad Joe is all right. But, yeah, it's, uh, I think it's combo of, you know, we're getting down to what you just said, seven races left. So people are trying to get whatever mileage is left out of whatever – parts and pieces they have because they're going to be obsolete here in a month and a half. So yeah. Um, never like to see a crash like that, but it wasn't like a Brian Vicker situation when the left retired at Charlotte fell right off. So at least it was a parts failure and not an entire lug tire wheel just falling right off because lug nuts were tight. So we're going to Talladega this weekend, another super speedway where uh, green flag pit road entries are always, always hairy and the boxes are fairly big there. So you don't really worry about that so much, but you're not taking you're not taking many tires. It's about limiting mistakes, not speeding on pit road, and getting clean on and off pit road. What do you what do you look for this weekend? Yeah, you're definitely not you're definitely not going to pit practice this week looking for all, all out speed, right? You're it's situ, situational awareness. It's really a lot on the driver, as you know. Um, if you're going to do rights or lefts, communication, not sliding your tires, getting the pit road. If you are going to do right side tires or left side tires and uh and getting the job done right the first time you get in the box there's a little bit on the gas men this week which will be interesting we see this uh especially if it goes in the you know two or three overtimes people running out of gas so it'll be more on the gas men and then the tire changers just making sure they get their job done right the first time so you said no penalties obviously with with talladega and daytona you're not looking for overall speed because tires are a bit heavier because they have interliners in them and and whatnot so you're just wanting to get clean stops now on the other side of that coin, what are some weeks where you do go to pit practice looking for raw speed? Is that like Martinsville? Is that places? Uh, where is the place going into? You're not gonna, you know you're going to have to have fast stops. Yeah, you know, Darlington is one that sticks out. You know, Darlington, when you talk about going like the Coke 600, any mile and a half, you're, you're looking for speed. Now, don't get me wrong. You're not going to Talladega or Daytona ever and just not worrying about pit stops, right? Because if you're the first one off pit road with your manufacturers, that last stop of the race, there's a good chance you control the race and win the race, right? So you, even though you're pitting with your teammates, you want to beat them all off pit road. Um, not only because it's a race, but for a little bit of pride as well. 
it, you're not going there just saying, yeah, just get the tires on it. But the places that we go, I mean, I think Darlington's number one on the list, right? And then you think about Bristol, um, you're a little bit more, you don't throw the hands so much at Bristol because it's real apt for a loose wheel. But Homestead's the one that you think of, Atlanta. These tracks are ones that you think of that you go to and you practice for, for all that speed. When you go to a place like Martinsville, you practice for the situations you might be on that might be pit box dependent, depending on where you're going to be pitting. If you're going to be coming around the corner, if you're going to be coming around a car, angled in, angled out, that's the type of stuff you'd practice for like a Martinsville. Roger that. Any other boats and woes tips this weekend? No, I, I think that uh, you, you're going to want to limit penalties. You definitely don't want to come back in and lose draft. You lose track position here is a good chance to wreck. The only way to guarantee that you do not wreck here is to lead every single lap and stay in front of it. And that's what we're going to do this weekend. You heard it from the front tire changer himself, Brad Kozlowski. They're going to try to punch their ticket to the round of eight by getting through at Talladega this weekend. And there you have it, another great pit road boats and boats segment with good friend Ryan Flores. Stick around, we got some show left for y'all. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. All right, Chuck, this is one week away from the big event. And I'm not talking about Talladega. I'm not talking about the Roval. I'm talking about the first annual kickball classic streamed by NASCAR Productions, no less. I am jazzed up. It's going to be a fun time. It is going to be a fun time. We're going to have, uh, you know, that broadcast. Merriman and I are going to be sitting on a on-field booth calling the game you can watch it on youtube i think it'll be on facebook as well we're gonna you know talk to some people that are playing in the game you know maybe Corey, you'll stop by the the desk and talk to us about what's going on i will absolutely stop by the uh i don't think we really talked about it a whole lot on here but people so people i think are a little bit confused as to what it is people that might buy tickets might think they're playing they're not what's your ten dollars going to get you when you get your ticket what's that ten dollars going to get you you can get there at noon, which is when the tournament itself starts. There's 16 teams in four pools of four teams, and the best team out of those four pools will advance to the semifinals. And then we will crown a kickball classic champion. And then we will have a celebrity game with there are, I think, 22 or so guys signed up with everybody from Joey Logano to Kyle Bush, Kurt Bush, Blaney, Bubba, Ross Chastain. Marvin Williams used to play for the uh, for the Charlotte Hornets is coming out and playing with us. There is a whole whole heap 
of people. So your 10 bucks can get you to watch a bunch of unathletic race car drivers play a kickball game. There's going to be a VIP autograph session uh, for about 45 minutes directly after that. And there's going to be two concerts. Pryor and Lee just come out of the new song this past week I saw. So those guys are going to be out there jamming out as well as the drives. So you can come out all day long. Ryan Flores is playing on my team, the Built Ballers, and we're going to go for kickball glory, try to get the, I made some uh, little medals for the winning team as well as cold hard art made the trophy itself. So I am super jazzed up, Chuck. We're not streaming the whole day. We're going to be streaming that, that celebrity game, that six o'clock game. Um, but you might be able to, if you tune in, I think we might come on around five forty-five towards the end of that championship game. So you might hear who won the championship on the broadcast and then, uh, you know, watch that celebrity game. If you can't make it out to the field to watch it in person. But if you're in town for the race, heading over to the Roval, 10 bucks gets you in. It's a good deal. You're going to see a lot of stars of the NASCAR world out there. We did a walkthrough to see what it's going to look like. And you're going to have a good time if you're out there, if you're in town. And just wave at us. Be like, hey, how's it going? It's good to see you. Second stands are up and going. The beer stands going to, I mean, the beers will be flowing like wine out there, Chuck. So wait a second. Wine? Beers like, beers like wine? My biggest concern is if Ryan's hamstring is going to hold up out there because I'm going to need him. Oh, man. Why you got to put that on me? Why you got to put that on me? You got a glass hammy? I'm a seven-season strong kickballer. I've never played it in the ripe age of 34, right? I quit at 32, so I don't know. If my hamstrings blow out, you're going to have to answer the Penske pit coaches. <laughs> so uh, are you going to play pitcher for our team? Who's on our team? What are some of the things you're looking out for here? Because that lefty homeboy's got a cannon chuck yeah if doug powers can if he i think he's gonna come out and play i'll probably let him pitch him and i are probably alternate i would imagine i'll probably pitch in the celebrity game i don't know who's gonna pitch on the other side i gotta divvy out some positions for those guys here in the next couple of days so yes we are going broke for the bill ball is doug powers related to kenny powers yes might as well be. He's related now to Cliff Daniels because he married his sister. The invitation is out for Cliff, so but he is tentative right now. I don't know if he's going to be able to make it. Uh, he's going to be getting that five car ready for the Roval. So hopefully he can make it out. I don't know. Asking a half day off, off of Rick is probably hard times. Well, I will say this. At 34, you know, just in, not that you, you're not going to do this, but make sure you stretch. I will. You know, just you, uh, So you have the rosters, though, do you not, Corey? What, what team are we worried about? And I'm sure that you put us in a group with a bunch of weak teams, right? Because you're, you're at the helm of this deal. Oh, man, I want to see you all in a group of death, man. I can neither confirm nor deny how the strength of our pool. Uh, I would just say that if we don't make it to the semis, we suck real bad. Who's strong? Who are you worried about? Who are we going to be facing in the finals? The teams I'm worried about are Austin Dillon's team. He's going to have a crew to put together. I smoke them weekly, though, so I'm not real worried about them. Okay, so you smoked them on pit road, so you probably should probably smoke them on the kickball pitch as well. Uh, who else is going to be solid? The clean juice guys are going to be solid. We played against them in the past couple of years with kickball, so we can we got their we got their number as well. Uh, there's another team. There's a couple of teams that are bringing some studs. Some studs. That's kind of the unknown. We don't really know who's good. We don't know really who's not good. So hopefully we our squad's good enough. It's kind of like a run with your brown. Yeah. Then, you know, NASCAR is fielding a team as well, and I'm interested to see how they actually uh, – it's kind of a cobbled-together team, so I don't know what it's going to look like, but it does look like they may be in your pool. So are you thinking that the NASCAR team's not going to be that good? Um, 
Yeah, I wouldn't venture to say so. Let's just say I'm not concerned about the NASCAR group. Oh, man. I'm, I'm hoping they come out and out of left field, if you will, smoke <laughs> y'all and end up in that championship game. Oh, I'd be pissed. Because I know some of the folks on that team, and I think, you know. I don't necessarily want to win it. I do, because I don't get to win very often. But, you know, people might say that it's rigged if the built ballers take the whole championship yeah, hey, listen, if you feel that way, your ass can go sit on the bench, and I'll lead us to victory, all right? Because I'm not wasting a whole damn day in Kannapolis to run second. I'm here to win. Fair enough. So there it is. We're not going to go for second. We're going. We're getting the gold medals. Well, and I will tell you, if you can't make it out to the field and you tune in to the broadcast on YouTube and on Facebook, we will recap what happened earlier in the day to let you know who uh, beat Corey's team, uh, you know, if they got knocked out in the pool play. Ain't happening. Ain't happening. Yes. So Chuck just uh, reminded me there is tickets available on CoreyLajoyRacing.com on the right side. Click on that or go to the Kickball Classic Facebook page. So plenty of places to go find some tickets to see y'all next Wednesday. All 100% of the proceeds go to the Kannapolis YMCA as well as Samaritan's Feet. So it's for the kids, man. Spend 10 bucks. Come watch us kick a ball around and help out the kids. It's going to be a fun event. October 6th which will be a week from when this episode drops. Be there at the Kickball Classic, Kannapolis Stadium. Or B-Square. All right, guys, we're back with a penny for your thoughts. Starting to enjoy y'all's tweets and thoughts and questions you're sending in. So we got a couple of good ones this week, Chuck. What do we got for some thoughts? Yeah, everybody really stepped it up this week. I, I'm I'm frankly impressed. Not that I wouldn't have been impressed, but like people were sending in some good stuff. Let's let's start off with uh, Henny B14. She asked, "Why is it that teams have so much data, can see where everyone breaks, etc., but the driver has to come over the radio and report water and oil temperatures to the crew chief? Enjoy the podcast, especially the pit road analysis." Yeah, so that's a good question because I think NASCAR still wants to keep the data of the car separate from the pit box. They want there to be a little bit of a disconnect, I guess. Uh, so everything that's on the dash of my screen isn't seen by the pit the pit road box, unlike an F1 race, right? Those guys know tire temperatures. I mean, every temperature of every fluid in the car, and they can pretty much diagnose a car from the pit box where – on the flip side, uh, there's really no line of uh, technology that can link the pit box to one of our cup cars. And I don't, I think NASCAR kind of likes it that way. So it does sound a little bit, I don't know, crude, I guess. If you know, you, you would imagine that the pit box ought to be able to see what the water temperature of our car is, but that's just how, how it is and how NASCAR wants to keep it. So uh, that's why we radio in oil temp and water temp. Well, and on, on the flip side of that, what type of stuff does the pit box have? Like, what what is the crew relaying back to you? I know there were issues about, you know, vibrations and potential loose tires, and you hear the crew chief come over and say, no, we feel confident that we got all of them tight. Like, what what's relayed from the crew back to the driver? Well, the pit box is looking at the helmet cams. Uh, we talk about that on pit road boats and we'll here later, but the crew chief can look at a, a helmet cam and see – how many nuts are tight the pit box can see a lot of all the the lap timing and and uh, stuff like that to plot out runs and green flag sequences and stuff like that but they can't see 
actual workings of the car. That's where the driver comes in and kind of relays the balance of the car and they can make changes during the pit stops. It's also something why we relay how hot the car is running, right? Let's just say if it's 250 and our target range of what we want to see that water temperature is is 270, we're looking to put some tape on the car if the ambient air temperature goes down or whatever the case may be, because when you put tape on the on the grill, it does two things. It adds downforce, but also it takes away drag. So it's a win in both ways. And the hotter you can get your car to run within reason without, I think there's a point in time where the motors, if they get to like 285 or 290, it'll start taking a little bit of timing out, taking a little bit of power out to, uh, to help almost self-protect. So that's why your water temperature is so crucial right now. All right. This next one comes from Nathan Grant, a.k.a. Agent Orange. Orange. Uh, hashtag Penny for your thoughts, Corey and Chuck. He tagged both of us, uh, but nobody else on the show. Why do some drivers have two strips of tape on their steering wheel? I understand having one in the center. It's the off-center one that I don't know. Good question. And I get that one a lot. So uh, there's usually, so the, the one that's usually straight up and down, right, is generic on the wheel. There's a, another one usually put at like 1.30 or yeah, about 2 o'clock. And the right right front wheels are so tight to the fenders because you just try to make that wheel opening pretty small. So when you go to the right front, you want to turn your wheel so that two o'clock mark is at twelve. So it's an easier pull, which Ryan could attest to. If the wheel's not turned and it's straight up and down, does that right front wheel get hung up on the fender occasionally? Yeah. So for the caster, uh, moral of the story: this guy tagged the two wrong guys in the show just uh, for future reference there, Agent Orange. But um, yeah, that is for a pit stop, right? Yeah, if you try to pit the car with that straight up mark, uh, the right front wheel will not come out of the fender well as, as it'll eventually come out, but it uh, it won't come out as fast as you want it to. Also at road courses, you might see three marks on the, on the steering wheel, uh, one for the right and one for the left side um, because of caster there. They'll actually turn the wheel, it'll be in one position on the right front, and then in another position on the left front. Boom, shakalaka. So if people want to tag the right person, how are they going to find you? At Skip Flores. Easy to find. S-K-I-P Flores. Yep. I'm not going to give Merriman's out. His is at cold, ice cold blue mountain takes <laughs> dot com slash org slash whatever. And if it's not, it should be. Yeah. I had to look for Jonathan's tag a long time. Um, it wouldn't pull it up on Twitter. So I think you believe it's at J underscore Merriman. Don't put me on that. He used to be like at J underscore Merriman Sports One or something like that, but I believe it is, uh, and I, I will confirm that while you answer um, this next question that I'm going to go to right here. This is from a little, little while ago uh, at Red Raider Fan 7 said, uh, Corey, I know you said this week no dirt at at BMS updates, but hear me out. Atlanta doesn't put asphalt back and they leave it as clay. I was strongly committed that Jonathan Merriman had the iciest takes of all time, but Red Raider took the cake for that one. I mean, that has to be the worst take I've ever heard. So, yes, he was probably meant that as a joke. Yeah. But I'm taking it as serious <laughs> because it's nice cold take. No dirt for cup cars. No, thank you. There's not made for it. Sprint cars, great. Dirt late models, great. Cup cars, not so great. Well, you know how I know that that is an ice cold take from him. He actually tagged 
at J underscore Merriman in that. So, yeah, if you want to give all of your ice cold takes to Jonathan Merriman, it is at J underscore Merriman. Uh, here's a little bit of a lighthearted one for you. Um, it is from Joshua9476. And he asked, meant to ask you this when I met you in Indy, but forgot. Hall of Fame baseball player Nap LeJoy pronounces his last name Legoe. So I guess it's Nap Legoe. Did your ancestors use this pronunciation? Lagioe. 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 Yeah. Did your ancestors use this pronunciation? And if so, when did they change it? Hashtag bring back the French pronunciation. Le joie. Monsieur Le joie, why do you change your name? I've heard that pronunciation, La Joie. I've heard La Joie. I don't know which one is actually accurate. My my grandfather could probably t- tell me. I could probably ask him this week. But I think the further and further, especially as, as my roots grow here in Charlotte, North Carolina, it gets more and more redneck and removed from the French, French generation. So it gets a little bit less La Joie and more La Joie. And that's where we're going with right now. It'll I will stick with the Americanized version of Lajor. All right. Well, let's throw one more at you. Um, this one comes from Google Mapes. Uh, his last name is Maples, so it's Google Mapes. So that's kind of a fun uh, fun handle there. Uh, hashtag Penny for your thoughts. Can you describe how your part time season with TriStar in the seventy two set up opportunities later down the road? Also. Can we get an update on which package, engine package you're running before the race for DraftKing purposes? I think he's wanting to pick you in the jackpot races, which you were in the fourth round uh, in the jackpot races if you go on NASCAR.com's uh, jackpot app. Yeah, it's probably a little bit of insider trading if I would release that. I don't really know, nor do I ask. Um, but I don't think that with the context being what it is in the remainder of the year, we kind of know where we're going to finish in points. So I wouldn't venture to say that we're going to spend the difference in to get a motor for the rest of the year. I I don't know. Maybe Uh, the question was describe your part-time season. Yeah. Oh yeah. The 70, the 72 car. That one was without a doubt, the most brutal uh, year of my cup career. We blew up. I think I drove that thing part-time with Cole Witt. I drove it 22 times. He drove it 14. And I think we blew up six or seven motors in that span. We had some oil pump issues. So that one was brutal. That one uh, taught me how to weather the storm. And, you know, I, I, I was surprised I was able to rebound to that. And we parlayed that into the 32 for a couple of years. And I'm currently at the best cup deal that I've had. So it's just one one step of the ladder that I've been on. But that one was not a fun year by no means. Cole Witt, that is a name that I have not heard in a minute. I think he was uh, dubbed by Alex Bowman uh, the year that – were you running for rookie of the year that year as well that Bowman was, or had you already – No. No, I was after that. Yeah. Bowman uh, dubbed Cole Witt the Ginger Lion. That was uh, his nickname in an old NASCAR.com uh, piece we did on him. Like It was a Who is Alex Bowman feature. I lied. I've got one more. I've got one more. Okay. It's a would you rather, though. It's a would you rather. And I know the answer, but I'm going to uh, give it to you anyway from uh, at McMuffin RTR. Corey, would you rather win 10 snowball derbies or one cup race? P.S. Thank you for taking time to talk to me a couple of years ago at the Derby. Yes, I, uh, I read that one, and that one is a pretty easy answer for me. And it would be one cup race anywhere. Just to put your name on the list of cup winners would be pretty special. Not saying any, not taking anything away from the snowball derby, but... 
you know, I think there are uh, a lot of guys that have won that race, but pretty tough to win a, to win a cup race for sure. So I would, I would much rather win one cup race than 10 snowball derbies. Now, I would like to win one snowball derby too. I've been close on a couple ones down there and broke some stuff and we've had car to win, but um, I can assure you being able to hold a cup series trophy would be unlike anything else. I was going to say, that is a uh, small list of people who have won NASCAR races. So How many? I was just looking it up. I'm going to guess, what do you think, Brian, over or under? I'm going to take the under on 200, 200 people have won a cup race. Over. I'm taking the over? I'm taking that over by maybe by less than 50. I'll say 250 on, or under. Hey, one thing I'll say to back you up while he's looking for this, I'm a short track racer. I love short track racing. Snowball Derby is hard to win, but people sometimes um, don't understand how hard it is to win at the cup level. Yes, especially, you know, when you got guys that win multiple races a year and, and there's really only, you know, six or seven guys that win consistently, it might it might make it look a little bit easier than than what it is. I mean, it's, it's almost an impossible feat if you are not with, you know, we, we mentioned it last week on the show. If you're not driving for – Team Penske, Gibbs, or Hendrick, you're not in the playoffs right now, but unless you're Kyle, unless you're Kevin Harvick. So, you know, to, to race against some guys every every week, it's it's a pretty tall task to win a cup race. And it pays a lot better. It pays way better. <laughs> Chuck, how many cup winners have there been total? Find it. All right. I'm gonna go with one hundred and ninety seven. Wow. Really? Yeah. And that is not a scientific number. It's not a scientific number, but if I'm looking at this, the all-time wins list, I've got 195 other rows plus three is 96, 97, 98. So 198. Well, we're, I was pretty close. That was pretty close, yeah. Maybe I can be number 200, Chuck. I'll let somebody else win before me, then I'll be that, I'll be that guy. I think that's good. That's good. Uh, oh, you know what? I could have looked at the, uh, the list right here. All-time winners, 197. 197. Yeah. 197 guys have strapped into a cup car and have been victorious. I would love to be on that list. All right, and there you have it. That's a penny for your thoughts. I'm starting to enjoy this section, Chuck. So keep sending your tweets into us, tagging Chuck Bush, tagging at J underscore Merriman, Skip Flores, and myself with hashtag penny for your thoughts, and we'll get to these each and every week. A little spare change before he closes this thing out. We had Christian Eckes winning the truck race at Vegas. It was a one-two-three-four finish for Thor Sport Racing, which is uh, which was pretty cool to see because they uh, they're not really one that has been on top of the game over the past couple months. So big weekend for Thor Sport as well as big weekend for Josh Berry filling in for Michael Annette. Interesting to see what happens there next year. They've already announced Josh Berry's going full time, but to what car that is, I would venture to say it might be that one car. You know, I don't want to bash on Michael Annette too much, but Josh Berry in 12 races has led more laps than Michael Annette has in his entire career. So, you know, maybe it's time for the baton to be pushed over to the next guy up and Josh Berry for Jared Motorsports. Hey, and Junior Motorsports, uh, top three. They have a pretty good mile and a half package. When they bring it, they they usually nail it down pretty good with the one 
was obviously when Josh Berry was one. He, he won. Justin Algar run second, and Noah Gregson run third, which also, to the Justin Algar point. That's what I was going to bring up. He would be my teammate this weekend, driving the number 77 Spire Motorsports Chevy Camaro. Me and him will be shaking and baking to the front at Talladega. He will have an A motor as well, or what, whatever our version of an A motor is. He will have so, a motor. He will have he will a have motor in his car. <laughs> yeah. So we're going to go uh, have some fun, you know, pick and choose when we're going to go, see if we can maybe get some stage points and be there at the end. Le Joie and the Gator. That's a good sitcom show right there. <laughs> and li- Little Gator. But, yeah, I'm excited to see Justin back on Sunday. Uh, you know, he had a real short window race in the Cup Series and um, has been a big fish in that small Xfinity Series pond for the last couple of years. So it's cool to see him back. So wait, would Lejoie and Algaier, would that sounds like two like fur traders from back in like the French Canadian, uh, you're in a canoe together rolling down there uh, towards Manitoba, going to get you some beaver pelts. Have you recreated that? Yeah. I have not done any uh, fur trading stuff yet, but you know what? Uh, don't count it out yet. Reenactment coming up. Going to hand hew a canoe. <laughs> Is that what we got? <laughs> Yeah, that's all we got. We can just we should end on hand hewing a canoe. Hey, do we have a stacker of the week? I will nominate Fireman Chris from Pitstall 40 in Las Vegas. Why? Stacking pennies fan. Oh. I told him to be on his game because our gas man was going to spill a bunch of fuel. Made sure that before he puts them out, TV cameras get there, let them burn for a little bit, make it spectacular. Thankfully, maybe not thankfully, it didn't happen, but he was super cool. He's out of California and a big fan of the show. So Nice. So, Fireman Chris, you are the Penny Stacker of the Week. Continue to yell at us and scream at us and tell us how much you like the show, whether that's in person at the racetrack at Talladega this weekend, or you could rate, subscribe, review all the stuff. Apple, Spotify, wherever you take the stuff in. And you could buy a ticket to the kickball tournament and yell it at us there. Yes. Yes, and we're going to be – doing some sort of a version of stacking pennies live on the field. I mean, that's, it, it'll all be kind of like rolled into that show. I mean, we'll have the normal episode that week since that comes out on a Wednesday, but you know, I mean, yeah. we'll have some stuff from some content that we can distribute from that day. That's not just that live show. Well, very good. We'll hope to see y'all there next weekend. And hopefully we have a hell of a race this weekend at Talladega. Talladega. Stacking pennies. Thank y'all. <laughs>